Okay, well, uh, here again we are in uh, John uh, 17, verses 20 through 26. Let me read those verses for us. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, and they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that they that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Uh, Father, as we come to this section of your word father we ask that you bless the word to us father we pray that that the holy spirit will guide us in all truth father as the truth is uh, brought this morning father through your word we pray that you will be our teacher and we ask that you uh, would change us for the sake of your kingdom we ask these things in jesus name amen so with uh, these words here we find in verse 20 it says Jesus says I do not pray for these alone it's a transitional statement here in the prayer and so Jesus now is is transitioning uh, to a new focus in his prayer here remember we, we've reviewed it that the prayer has three basic parts uh, the first part where Jesus prays for himself and then the second part is where he prays for his disciples we covered that last week and now we see Jesus here praying for the church, praying for all believers. And Dr. Sproul points out uh, in the introduction here of this section, that this is a special text. Okay, this is, this is a special text. And it's, it's one, in his words, that should be treasured by every Christian. It's a special text. It should be treasured by every um, Christian. He pointed out that sometimes when he was teaching in seminary, I said he would ask his students, he says, where in the Bible does Jesus pray for you? Right? Where in the Bible does Jesus pray for you? Well, the answer is right here in front of us today. If you are a believer, right? That is the answer. This is where Jesus prays for you. And so here in the upper room, Jesus is not only prayed, uh, he not only prays for those gathered with him, the disciples here who are with him, but he also prays for all people who will be brought to faith by their ministry, by the testimony of this apostolic band of brothers. And so he's praying uh, in a very real way. He's praying for you and for me if we're believers, right? Um, this this band of brothers, this apostolic band, remember Judas has already left. Uh, so he's, pray, he's prayed for them and now he's praying for us and he's about to send them into the world. So... Uh, in a very, uh, again, in a very real sense, and this is why Dr. Sproul said this, we should, this should be a special text for us. 
in a very real sense, as believers today, we need to remind ourselves, or we need to remember or just be aware of it, that you and I were in his mind when he prays here. He was thinking about you. And he's thinking about me. And all the other believers. Right here as he prays this. Now that's, again, that's, that's a special thing, right? That is, that is no light matter. That is a, a significant event. And we're going to talk a lot about um, the implications of that. And, uh, of course, his words here uh, and, and, a, and give us a, a very real idea of how he prays for us still today. Right? This was not a one-time thing. Right? He, is, he still prays for us today. We know that, right? Because he is there at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for us with the Father. He still prays for us. He still prays for his people. And so these, these, these words here give us a, really, a, a good idea of what that might look like or what that might sound like. When you think about prayer, uh, you and I uh, can be, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, can be rather uh, superficial when it co- with each other uh, when it comes to items of prayer. Um, we are good at this church about sharing prayer requests, and, and one of us uh, might tell another about a specific problem or an issue in their life, right? Um, and one of the other might, re- might respond, well, I will, I'll pray for you. I will pray for you. But then what often happens, right? We leave the situation, uh, maybe it's at church and we have that interaction. And I'll pray for you. And then what happens? A lot of times we forget, right? We leave, we go about our business. We sometimes forget, right? If we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, we're, we're not as diligent as we should be when it comes to our intercessory prayer for others. But we also know people who are true prayer warriors. And I know some of them. And, and Dr. Sproul says that when he was in college, he met two of them. He met two really real prayer warriors. He says that shortly after his uh, conversion, uh, a friend uh, took him to meet a very dear woman that was known by a lot of the college students. Uh, She lived by herself and she was known simply as Sister Dieter. That was her last name, Dieter. And that was all they knew about her, Sister Dieter. when, when, when she learned after, so um, R.C. and his friends go to, to, to see her. And then when she had learned that uh, he had only been a Christian for a few weeks, she said, she said, this is her word, young man, you need to plant a spiritual stake in the ground and let that stake always remind you of what Christ has done for you in the saving of your soul. And then she began to pray, he says. And Dr. Sproul said, I've never heard anyone pray like that in my life said that day and then since then i've never heard anyone pray the way (coughs) this dear sister prayed for me he said and i appreciated it and i still remember it even uh, to today he says then he met another man man um, dr james excuse me dr jameson and this particular man had been a medical missionary for more than 40 years and he was now in his late 80s. He was infirmed. He, he was had, of course, was retired. He was pretty much uh, limited in his activities and what he could do. He, he, he stayed home a lot just because he couldn't get up and get going. He couldn't practice medicine anymore. Uh, but uh, in Dr. Uh, Sproul's words, he, he still went to work every morning, and he worked for eight hours. Now, 
His labor, his work was prayer. Every day, this man got on his knees and he prayed for eight hours. Every day. His words were, I can't do anything else, but I can still pray. Now, the uh, Dr. Sproul said we, we students would go to him with our concerns. We would go to him because we knew he was diligent in prayer. And uh, because we believe the scripture that says what? Right? The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's in James. They believe that. And we, ought, we, we should believe that too, right? Knowing, uh, and this is Dr. Sproul, knowing that I was in his prayers was a very great comfort to me. And I can imagine it would be. The prayers of uh, people like this. Again, we, we're, Dr. Spruill tells us about two prayer warriors that he knew. And I'm sure that you know people who are prayer warriors. I'm sure you know these people and you've been um, encouraged by them. And, and, and they do provide significant encouragement for us. But even as encouraging as that is, those prayers, those prayer warriors that we know, pale in comparison when we think about the intercessory prayer of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? If if He had only prayed just this one time, if He only prayed for us just this one time, that would have been enough for us to, to praise Him for the rest of our lives. If it had just been this one time. But we know He didn't just pray for us just this one time. He continues to pray for us today. And He intercedes for us today, right now, at the right hand of the Father. And when we consider that intercessory prayer, Dr. Sproul says, I don't think we could bear life in the trenches of the kingdom without that intercession. Now think about that. I don't think we could bear life in the trenches of this kingdom without the intercessory prayer of our Lord. This This is a significant thought. We've we've already seen the efficacy of Jesus' prayers in the New Testament. Um, We see how uh, when Jesus had revealed that one would betray him, uh, he gave Judas uh, the piece of bread and he said this. He says, right, he says, what you do, do quickly, right? And then uh, Satan entered into him. And you remember, likewise, Satan, he's very active right here in this, what was going on. And he wanted, you remember, to get a hold of Peter, right? Satan wanted... Peter, didn't he? What did Jesus tell Peter about that? He said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. He's asked that he may sift you as wheat. When, what, what, is that, what, what does that mean when somebody says, what, what is he trying to say here? Sift you as wheat. What's the, what's the why is that, uh, what, what does that mean? It, it, it basically means that Satan is asking to shake you so hard that your faith will fail. Satan Satan wants permission, Peter, to grab a hold of you and shake you so hard that your faith is going to fail. That's what Satan asked about Peter. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, is that an encouragement to Peter? Absolutely. Satan's asked for you, Peter, but I have prayed for you 
Now, we know both of those events, when you consider what happened with Judas and what considered what happened with Peter, both events happened just like Jesus said, didn't they? But both had different outcomes, didn't they? Judas did betray uh, Jesus and Peter did deny him, right? But they each had different endings. Judas, Judas proved himself to be the son of perdition. And we know that he eventually hung himself. Peter denied Jesus, right? But he came back and he was restored. His faith did not fail, didn't it? His, his faith may have been challenged, but his faith did not fail. And he became a pillar of the early church. Why? Well, there, there can be many reasons, I'm sure, right? But one of the most significant reasons was the intercessory prayer of Jesus himself. Jesus prayed that uh, Peter's faith would not fail in the midst of the attacks of Satan and that prayer was answered. So as we consider these things, as we begin to look at these verses here, let's, let's go um, verse by verse here. And so we, we see here in verses 20 to 23 that Jesus began to pray for the church and he said this, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. <clears throat> And have loved them as you have loved me. Excuse me. <clears throat> this. <clears throat> excuse me. This section of his prayer is loaded. It's a lot of stuff here, right? But the one thing that we notice very early here. <clears throat> that we've already mentioned. Is that Jesus prayed for it. Uh, when he prayed for his disciples about unity. He prayed they would be one, right? Well, now. He's, he's talking, uh, he's expanding that, that we, the believers, the church would be one. And as we mentioned last week, uh, in a very real sense, this unity that Jesus prays for has already been fulfilled, right? Every person who is a Christian, who is in Christ, right? That is part of being a Christian, you are in Christ. So in a very real way, uh, unity between us is, is real, right? Because of our unity in him, Okay. Remember, this is not a unity of all denominations. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here. It's not what we're talking about here. It's a unity that we have in Christ. And, and it's true for all believers, right? It's true for all believers that they have, they're in Christ. That they are saved, uh, they are in Christ in a very real way. And, and so uh, as far as um, differences, yes, we believers, right? We have many uh, differences uh, when it comes to points of doctrine. That's true, right? They're, they're out there. Uh, but there is a real unity that binds all of us together. And, uh, and, and Jesus is pointing out here about the church here that that unity should be evident to the world. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He wants the unity to be evident to the world. Now, Jesus prayed that those who would believe in him would have a unity and that all believers could see. Okay, he says, I'm praying they have a unity that is seen. 
that they may uh, learn various things. We'll learn we'll think, what kind of things? We'll learn things about God. Right? He, he asked uh, that the Father, excuse me, he, Jesus asked the Father that believers would be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So there's a reason, right? This unity. What what are we to observe? Well, Jesus is saying it. He wants to know that what that the, the Father has sent him, the love that they have. So this the love, this this concern, this compassion that we have for one another. Okay, among believers, right? That should stand out from the world. That should be evident that they're different. Look at how they love one another. Have you heard that somewhere else before, right? They'll know your mind by your love for one another. And that crosses denominational boundaries. Okay, that we've just made the point, right? It's it's not about the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Methodists. That's not about that, right? It's about all believers. All believers. And so this 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 love, this concern, this compassion we should have for one another. And, and, and we should have it in such a way that the world notices it. Oftentimes, what do they see among us, though? Do they see that love and compassion among us? Sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they don't. Uh, the church uh, believers uh, sometimes can be, be uh, mean or ugly uh, to one another, right? But but this, as they see it, okay, among believers, this love that they see would would serve as a proof, right, that Jesus was not simply a good moral teacher, that he's in fact the second person of the Godhead. It is real. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. This this unity uh, should also allow the world, or should, excuse me, should show the world that God loves believers. God loves believers just like He loves Christ. That's what Jesus is praying for. This, the the love of between believers should have such an impact on on the world that that people would look into that and they would say, "Well, how do you explain that? How do you explain this love between these people?" There's, there's only one kind of explanation: Christ is Lord. That's the explanation. He is who he says he is. How else can you explain it? Right? And that's what Jesus is praying about. When you think about this, this love, because, because Jesus is connecting uh, the Father's love for him and then our love for each other, uh, as believers, and we're reminded this, that we, all of us, need to pursue a deeper understanding of the love that God has for us. Okay, and and when you think about the love that he has for us, he's, you know, think about you first. Think about yourself for a moment. Think about, uh, you know, if 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 again, if you're honest with yourself, there's some things that you know about yourself that no one else knows, right? That's unlovely, right? That is not easy to love. Yet in God's abundant and tender mercies. He has this indescribable capacity to love the unlovely. How was it is it is so different than the way we love so many times, right? We love conditionally a lot of times, don't we? We love conditionally. It's uh, we'll love you if you if you love us back. 
But, but, but he doesn't operate that way. He has this indescribable capacity to love the unlovely. And how, and how do we know that? Well, again, just make it personal for a minute. He knows every part of your soul. He knows every good, bad, and ugly, right? He knows all of it, right? All the ugly people. And, and yet what? He still loves me. He still loves you if you're one of his believers. Well, how, how, how can that be? How is that possible? Well, we must understand that the love that he has for us is not because we're lovable, right? That's obvious. It's not because I'm easy to love. That is not the reason, right? But the Father loves us in the Son. He loves us in Christ. The, the same love that he pours out on the Son, he pours out on those who are in his Son. Right, we uh, we we're talking about this this relation this this bond of all believers. In if we're in Christ, then we're bound to Christ, but we're also bound to one another. And so you see, this love that the Father has for the Son is obvious. We we know this. This is a this is a love, and Jesus talks about it. The Scriptures talk about it. And that same love He pours out on His church, His the believers. All right, Dr. Sproul said, the love that God has for the Son is the only reason I can give as to why God chose to save me. It's, he loves the Son, and He loves me in the Son. And I, there's no other reason I can give. When you think about this, this love, when you, when you think about what Jesus is saying here, He's talking about the love that we would have so that the world would know that there was something different, right? They would know something was different. And when you think about, when you think about us as believers living in this world, um, because He asked that, that, that the world may believe that You sent Me. That was one of His reasons, right? To see this love. Well, what we know, and I got this from um, Dr. Ferguson's uh, study on the same uh, same verses. He made the point here about this love, this unity that's expressed. He says, you know, our our doctrine won't save anyone, but our love will. Now you think about that for a minute. Now, we're, he's not saying that we save people, right? But what he's saying is that the, so that the world sees there's something different, right? He says, what's, what's that going to do? That, that, that should, right? It'll point people to Christ because of this love that they see. Not necessarily doctrines, right? That's not... That's not where it's coming from. It's this love. And, and that love is genuine because it's love in Christ. And it's, it's, it's been poured out. It's this, that love that, that, that this, this hard to even describe, the love of the Father. How can He love someone like me? But that same love He has for His Son is then poured out in us. And so we see this, this love. Our love for each other is a testimony in this world, isn't it? It's a testimony to a watching world. In verse 24, Jesus uh, continues. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. He says, I pray that they would be with me where I am. Now, Jesus prayed um, not only that we would be in him, right? But now he also prays that we would be with him. Dr. Sproul said, there's, there's no place in the universe I would rather be than in the presence of Christ. Can you agree with that? There's no place in the universe, in the created order, that I would rather be than in the presence of Christ. And what's the amazing piece about it? 
He wants us to be there with him. That's what he said. I, I want them to be with me, Father. He's praying to the Father. I want them to be with me where I am. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to say that. I wasn't planning on saying this because you're here this morning. Someone mentioned this one. Um, uh, Brother Jim was was known for uh, during Bible studies for a lot of things, right? For a lot of sayings, right? Known for a lot of sayings, famous or infamous. I'm going to hate look at it, right? Um, but but one of them, right? And, and the men who participated in the Bible studies back in those days, I think I've said it in here before. Some of you know it. He would say so many times, if the bus pulled out right out front. And Jesus was on it, and he says, come on, we're going to heaven. I'm jumping on it. I'm ready. He said in Sunday school. Yeah, I'm getting on it. I'm going to leave. I'm out. Right? And, you know, when you when you think about that, especially as a young person, you're like, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? Would I, how would I react if that happened? You know, and that's offer, actually, that has offered, I think we've mentioned this in this class before, many times to have good conversations with people who say stuff like, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to go see him when I die, but I'm not ready to go today. Right? They'll say that. I'm not ready to go today. I still got things I, I want to do. Well, do, 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 <laughs> right? You've heard people say this, right? Y'all, you're smiling because you've heard it, right? You may have even said it before, right? Maybe. Uh, who knows, right? If, and, and I'm sure I've said something like it in the past too, right? But what he's what he's saying here is that he wants us to be with him, and 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 I agree with Doctor Sproul, and I, and it was the help of, of Brother Jim's ministry and the, the words helped me really grasp that there is no better place that I want to be. But the amazing piece of what Jesus is praying about here is that he wants us there with him. It's not just that I want to be there, but he wants us there too. And that's amazing, isn't it? He wants us there with him. Dr. Sproul says, the greatest benefit of Christianity is not the forgiveness of sins. That is simply a means to an end. The greatest benefit is that we have access to the presence of God and His Son. That is where Jesus wants us to be. What is the chief end of man? To glorify him, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Right? To enjoy Him forever, we will be in His presence. Won't we? <clears throat> That's amazing to think about, isn't it? To think about what Jesus is praying here. It's, it's, it's amazing to think about. And Jesus, when he, when he, so he expounds on this. He says he has a specific reason for wanting his people to be with him. Okay? So the first half of verse 24, it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me will be, be with me where I am. And this is the second half that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. He's saying, I want, Father, I want them to be with me. Why? So they can behold my glory. They can see it. They can behold it in a very real way. Um, Dr. Sproul said that of all the books he has written, uh, the one he enjoyed writing the most was titled The Glory of Christ. Has anybody read that one? I haven't read this one. Has anybody? Okay, we got some nods, uh, some heads nodding. He said that was the, the one he enjoyed the most writing, The Glory of Christ. He says, in that book, for those of us who haven't read it, 
in that book, he walks through the life of Christ and he shows uh, that while most of the time his glory is veiled, it was hidden. There were, of course, uh, several times where his glory broke through, right? His glory broke through this hidden veil. And of course, the we know the clearest example, right? The most prominent example of this is on the Mount of Transfiguration. We remember this. Now, you remember what happens there at that time? Uh, Jesus calls uh, with him up on the mountain. He calls Peter, James, and John. And uh, when they get to a specific point, what happened? We know that uh, that, that Jesus was, was transfigured right, right before them. Right before their eyes. Right, He says it was transfigured so that his face shone like the sun. Later, these, these same men in letters that they wrote to the church, they wrote that they had beheld his glory. Uh, now, I know that that had to be an amazing experience. Remember that they didn't want to leave. Remember that they, when that happened, let's make tabernacles right here. We're not going to leave. We're going to stay right here, right? Because it was so amazing. Right? It just so amazing. They didn't, they didn't we're never going to leave. We're going to stay right here. But as amazing as those, well, that experience, and I'm sure the others, uh, when you think about it, um, they were only a brief foretaste. They were only a brief foretaste of the glory that awaits. And this glory, when we think about it, when we think about the consummation of the kingdom, when we think about when Christ returns, when we see the new heavens, and we see the new earth. And then at that time, in, a, in a, just a, in a, a way that we can't even really imagine, we will behold the glory of Christ in its fullest. I just think about that for a minute. Oh, as beautiful as this world is, as amazing as this world is, because God made it and it's wonderful, but we know it's fallen, it's corrupt. And we know that wasn't that God's got a plan and He's going to make it all new. Remember, we don't we don't go to heaven and stay in heaven with Jesus forever. Remember, that's that's not the plan, right? The plan will we'll be there, right, until He comes again. But when He comes again, what is He going to do? He's going to make a completely new heavens and new earth. That we're going to be our environment forever. We could be with Him. An environment that I didn't even have a need of a son. Why? Because Jesus is there. I don't even need a son anymore. That's how amazing His glory is. And that, for me, is hard to describe. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? But this is what he's praying about. This is what he wants you and me to see. I want them to see that. Hmm. Um, Jonathan Edwards is often described as the hellfire and brimstone preacher, right? That's normally what we think about when we think about Jonathan Edwards, right? Hellfire and brimstone. But as Dr. Sproul pointed out, many scholars, when they looked at his work, they looked at his sermons, the things he wrote, uh, there are two words that appear more frequently in all of his writings. The, the, the two words that appear most frequently, and they are sweetness and excellence. That doesn't sound like, if you think about a you know, hellfire and brimstone guy, right? Sweetness and excellence. Those are the two words that appear most frequently in all of his writings. What we know about his ministry, about Edwards, is he was consumed with the sweetness 
of the glory of God. The sweetness of the glory of God. The glory of Christ. I should be more specific in saying. The sweetness of the glory of Christ. Uh, when he wrote about uh, our hearts and our souls as we respond to the things of Christ, he was, he, was de- he was describing this supernatural response of the believer to Christ. When, and Dr. Sproul points out here, he says, when the Holy Spirit transforms us and fills our hearts with love for Jesus, nothing will satisfy us more than to behold the unveiled glory of Christ. There can be nothing sweeter or more excellent than that. That is the end for which we were made. Now there's a lot in what he says, right? Uh, He's pointing to what? The Holy Spirit, a work of sanctification, transforming us. He's changing us. Remember, he doesn't, doesn't save us simply for our sake. He saves us, but then he's, He's changing us, making us more like us, more like Christ. But he's 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 filling us. He's transforming our hearts, right? With that love for Jesus, where we love him more and more each day we walk with him. And we learn to love him more uh, every day as we obey him. Right. We learn to love him more and those things. And this the sweetness of Christ just emerges. It begins to do what is as we as we are longing to see Christ as he is. That changes us, doesn't it? And guess what? It changes you for the sake of the people around you. Kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? This is all tied together. As Christians are becoming more like Christ, you have an effect on people around you, right? You will. Especially as believers are together. They're watching, man, these people are different. This guy's different. This gal's different. Uh, These people are different. Look how they love one another. They have something in common. Yes, they're in Christ, but they all want to be with him. And that's an amazing testimony to the world. And Dr. Spool makes an example. He says, you know, people, uh, and I'm guilty of this, like I'm sure a lot of you are. People will spend lots of money to attend a rock concert, right, of their favorite artist. You know, spend hundreds of dollars to go on a trip to see some, you know, big rock concert or, or their favorite, uh, their favorite uh, sporting event, right, to see their favorite team, Right. And, and 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 they spend all this time and effort, right, just to see the, this this sports player or this sports team or their favorite celebrity, and they get to see him for a few hours, and then it's over, right? He says, but one day, one day for the believer, we're going to see the King of Kings in all of His glory. We will see the King of Kings in all of His glory, and that day. Dear loved ones, dear believers, that day is guaranteed for believers because of what? Well, well, one mainly thing here we talk because in the context of our study, right? Because of the intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has prayed that you would be there. Do you think the Father's going to tell him no? He's not. The prayer is it's guaranteed. Because of the intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that they will be with me and they will behold my glory. Mm. That's a guarantee, isn't it? It is guaranteed. Finally, uh, Jesus prays in the last two verses. This is verses uh, 25 and 26. 
O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is kind of Jesus' summary statement, right? He's, he's, this is a conclusion to his prayer. And as we think about some of the things that he's mentioned in this prayer, and we think about how he, how he summarizes the end here, all believers, all Christians, are called uh, to walk in the footsteps of Christ. We are called uh, to participate in the death of Christ. We're called to participate in the afflictions of Christ. And we're called to participate in the humiliation of Christ. And if we do not, if we're not willing to walk in His footsteps, to suffer these things for His sake, then we will never share in His glory. That's a reality from Scripture. To be, to be faithful, this is, this, this is amazing. This is why our God is so good. It's, he's, he's so good. He's so good that we can't even describe Him sometimes. He's so good. Because to the, the faithful disciples in this world, uh, to fulfill this very mission that He has set before us, we can be encouraged, right? We can be encouraged by the knowledge that this love with which the Father loved the Son is in us. This, the love which with He loved the Son is in us. He has poured it out on us. And so Christ is in us. And so this this knowledge of this love that God has bestowed upon His people and His Son, this knowledge of His everlasting love, it never ends. It will, it will always be there. It always gets amazingly better. His love for us, knowing that and living in that reality, should give us the strength to fulfill this mission that He's given us. Right, this this mission of 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 taking the gospel to the lost, to dying to self, to dying with Christ, to dying along with Him, right, to share in His afflictions, being re- completely rejected by the world, right, being slandered, being what I mean, beaten, right, physically, this humiliation, being stripped naked and hung on a cross, this life of submission. That's what we're. That's what He's called us. That's that's to be your life. Dear believer, you walk in that life and you'll share in my glory. And but but this encouragement, knowing what? That love is in us. That love is with us. It binds us together. This amazing love that God has for the Son, the Father has for the Son. So He He gives us this mission, but He also gives us every tool we need to accomplish the mission, doesn't He? He gives it. He pours it out. I'm going to give you the mission. I'm going to give you everything you need to fulfill the mission. Hmm. One day, because we've mentioned already this consummation, this great day in the future. We don't know when it's going to come. This great day when Jesus returns and it's the consummation of the kingdom and He ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. And you can just be imagined just the, the singing around the throne room of God, right? The risen, the returned Christ. He's back. He's going to. He's going to reign forever. And we can just sing of that. We can just that. Just that ought to make us want to sing, right? 
It does. It makes you know just want pray. You know, just sing. To, here, what else can we do? We fall before and we sing praises to Him. And the words of a hymn came to mind here. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransom home to bring. Then a new song. I knew this song we will sing. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Amazing thought as we consider his glory and being with him. The intercessory prayer of our Lord for me and for you. We have a minute left. Any questions or any comments? Okay, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, we come before you just acknowledging that uh, we need your help each and every day. Father, we, we thank you for the word. Father, we thank you for this encouragement. Father, thank you for loving us in ways that we can't even describe. Father, give us the each and every day, give us the courage, give us the faith, renew our faith each morning, Father, that we can serve you in this world. Father, we can seek each day to love one another as you have loved us. And Father, we pray that the world will know that we are different because of who you are. Father, I pray that you'll open doors to bring people to Christ. Father, as we leave uh, this time, Father, we pray for our time of worship. Father, we pray that as we enter into uh, the worship service, Father, when the call to worship is proclaimed, Father, we pray that whatever may be distracting us, Father, we ask that you remove it. Father, we pray that we will worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. And Father, we ask that uh, you'll be with our pastor as he as he leads us, Father. So, Father, speak through him as you do Sunday in and Sunday out. Father, we ask that, that you be the one to be speaking this morning uh, through him, your servant here at Lebanon. We pray that when it's all said and done, Father, that you will get all the glory. We ask these things in your name. Amen.